Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today, two composers, no waiting. We're going to have Ego Plum on first, talking all about his career as well as the new Cuphead series coming to Netflix. Later on, we'll have Jimmy Laval talking about his Sundance win- award winning film, Something in the Dirt. All that and more, please stand by. We're talking TV, comics, and movies, and video games. Star Trek from Star Wars will try to explain There are 12 doctors for Hogwarts houses One ring rolls and more To be the greatest Pokemon master You must catch them all You must catch them all And if you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the big 550 KTRS, thank you very much for tuning in. If you're streaming us on Instagram, on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook, hello to you. Thanks for streaming us there. And of course, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form out there in the world, we very much appreciate you listening to us. Make sure whatever platform you're watching this on or listening to, you hit the subscribe button, especially YouTube and Twitch. We're trying to up our numbers there. And of course, uh, leave us a nice five-star review if you're listening to this on a podcast podcast platform of choice that always helps us in search engine optimization helps us to spread the word of our show and what it is we're doing here talking about all things pop culture so thank you for all of your support uh right now my guest joining us for the first part is composer musician ego plum talking about the new cuphead series i love your wallpaper my executive producer pointed out he goes oh my gosh there's spongebob eyes all over that's really amazing i love it thank you yeah i, I enjoy this wallpaper very much is that is, where did you find wallpaper like that? I got to ask. It's, it's not actually SpongeBob, although it does feel that way. It's just eyeballs. Oh, uh, I found, I found some company on Etsy that just makes this sort of weird retro wallpaper, and I had to have it. Huh? Yeah, that's <laughs> the first thing that dawned on me is like, oh my gosh, it's like SpongeBob just kind of peering in at you from all all these different dimensions. It's very cool, very whimsical. It's I'd a expect- very disturbing SpongeBob for sure. Yeah, no, I'd expect nothing else but whimsical from you. Uh, it, it's amazing all the projects you've worked on. I, I, it, it's got to be a feeling when you're a musician and you're a composer and you've done as much stuff as you have to work on certain shows like this, like Star vs. the Forces of Evil is one of my all-time favorite shows. Obviously, SpongeBob, uh, Patrick Starr, all the, now you're doing Cuphead. What's it feel like uh, as someone who, you know, you and I are very close in age, you grew up watching these shows. You're still enjoying shows like this, and you're working on shows like this. It has to be a dream come true. I do not take it for granted that I'm in this position. You know, every day that I work on this stuff, it's always like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> you know, it's like I will never lose that spark. I always try to retain that sort of childlike sense of wonder about all this stuff. It's too important for me. You know, I promise, like, shoot me the moment I get jaded or start complaining about <laughs> anything because this is like, it's such a dream to be doing this stuff. You know, when I was making music when I was 15 or 16, I was essentially writing like music for non-existent cartoons. I made like quirky, experimental, instrumental music for no reason and hoping that somebody would like it. I even made a band that played instrumental, you know, bizarre, circusy, carnivalesque <laughs> music. 
you know, for, and we would play for, you know, 32 people. And that was like my favorite thing to do. Huh. Uh, and somehow I managed to turn this into a, a career, you know, it's insane. <laughs> And here you are working with, I know you're co-composing some stuff right now with Danny Elfman. When you think of quirky and kind of doing his own thing, that's the guy I think of with all of his stuff, the the, the Nightmare Before Christmas, his claymation stuff, even his, his films like, you know, uh, Batman R- Returns and things like that, those soundtracks. That's, uh, that's, it seems like with your work and then his work, that seems like a match made in heaven. Being like, you know, again, being like 17, 16 and hearing, I don't know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure uh, those scores, or even before that, he did something called Forbidden Zone, a weird indie film that his brother directed. I saw that when I was like 14 years old. A friend of mine brought it over on VHS blockbuster copy, and we sat in the garage. And I saw Danny Alfman doing like an impression of Cab Calloway performing as the devil uh, in this film. You got, I don't know if you've seen Forbidden Zone, but if you have it, I you have. have to check it out. I've this heard of it, but I haven't seen it. So bizarre. In fact, I mean, that performance that Danny did uh, is like, influenced what I did in Cuphead more than Cab Calloway. Wow. You know, it's just a, this amazing interpretation that he did of, of, of a cab type song, but it was performed by the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo, his band. Um, but yeah, like that influence has been so important for me. Like when I was a young guy, I naturally gravitated towards like more unusual left of center, off kilter kind of music. Mm-hmm. I discovered bands like Oingo Boingo, Devo, The Residents, all this stuff really resonated with me. For some reason, that's what I wanted to do. Like I, yeah. I, I felt at home, you know, in this place. And I wanted to make music like that. Now, the problem with that is that you're not going to find a lot of work doing this kind of stuff. But (laughs) thankfully, I mean, I'm so lucky that things kind of worked out in a way, right? Like, I don't know what else I would be doing. And I'd be so screwed. (laughs) If I'm not mistaken now, you, most of the stuff you've kind of done is all self-taught. Am I correct? That's true. I, I, uh, I didn't go to music school. Um, I don't know how to read or write music. Uh, that's why what I, I call what I'm doing in this Cuphead show, like punk jazz. It's almost like outsider jazz because I'm writing this stuff, but you know, I, I don't have like any real academic view of jazz. You know, I kind of just enjoy certain artists that I listen to and I let it filter out in its own way. Right. So, um, you know, Raymond Scott is a big influence on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Raymond Scott, uh, of course, his music was made popular in the Looney Tunes cartoons. Uh, also listened to a lot of Leroy Shields, who did music for, like, our gang, you know, Little Rascals okay, and yeah. Laurel and Hardy. That stuff, like, played a big role. Um, but besides the jazz, like, I'm actually influenced just as much by, like, punk rock, if that makes sense. Because there's sort of this urgency and um, energy and and accidental quality to punk that, that I really relate to. Like, you know, I... I admit that I don't know what I'm doing and I rely on accidents and happenstance and just like good fortune for things to work out. You know, it's, it's fascinating because normally, uh, you know, when I talk to composers like, yes, I studied music theory at Juilliard and we went to this, but the fact that you're, you've got all these great projects and your sound, it's very, it's a very unique sound all your own and it's self-taught that that's amazing to me. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and I, I feel comfort in knowing that I'm not alone in this world. Danny Alpin was someone similar that was self-taught. And, uh, you know, I was reading in Dave Grohl's book, similar thing with him. You know, he has no idea how to properly write music. But, you know, we're just fans of music. I mm-hmm. mean, I feel like I love music so much that it's just like I live and breathe it all the time. Um, God, I've been working so hard on this Cuphead show. You know what happened to me the other day? For two nights in a row, I had dreams where I was in 
Cuphead. I mean, the dream <laughs> itself was animated. I was in an animated dream. It's never happened in my life before. I mean, this huh. is absurd what's going on, how, how deep I'm in the show. It's been four years that we've been working really? on Really? Wow. I, four years ago, I got the job. You know, I auditioned the creator. Uh, I mean, the guy that's running it, Dave Lawson, um, we had worked together on a show called Making Fiends many years ago. And he said, hey, I'm starting on Cuphead. I got these funny lyrics. Do you want to try to make this song for the devil character? I said, yes, please give it to me. He had uh, just a rough idea of, of a melody, but like mostly all the words. And I said, I know what to do with this. So this was essentially my audition for the show. And, you know, I'm sure it went up and down the ranks at Netflix and the producers and everybody, King Features and uh, the Moldenhauers in uh, Canada. Um, and I got the job, but based on one song. And this was amazing to me because, frankly, like I felt like I had pulled the wool over their eyes <laughs> because I know I didn't know what I was doing, but I know that I trust my instincts. I have this brute force instinct that I, that I really believe in. I feel like I just know what it should be. And, um, and I have to believe in myself ultimately. Like I have to trust my ears and my instinct sure. here. So yeah, thankfully I got the job. And then of course we had a little hiccup in, in the form of a global pandemic that screwed up everything. Yeah, it did. Uh, everything we thought we were going to do as far as like, you know, I'm going to get in a room, jazz players and one microphone in the center and black and white photos and guys in suits. But no, we had to start recording remotely, uh, Zoom sessions, you know, and it was difficult at first. But, you know, I learned how to just grab sessions from different people and mix things so that it sounds like it creates the illusion of an old recording. You know, that's the trickery of studio stuff and the magic of Hollywood that we do, right? Right. And that's I, I, that's had to have been a little disappointing. I mean, you've got this great job and you have all these aspirations and visions about what it's going to be like. And then yes. uh, we're all going to be in our own little, and I know we've talked to on the show, we've talked to musicians, uh, voice actors who are used to doing things in an ensemble. And now they're quickly scrambling to set up a sound booth in their closet. So I guess were a lot of the musicians, right. was that all kind of one of those things too, where the musicians were all doing their separate parts Absolutely. or were you able to blend stuff or meet with some people? A lot of musicians had to, for the first time, learn how to engineer and record themselves. And this also happened with our voice actors, who a lot of times were doing singing for songs that I was writing. They had to be set up with like home kits and like Wayne Brady's like setting up in his like probably like in his in his closet or something with like microphones and a laptop and all this stuff. I mean, it was wild. Uh, everyone had to figure it out for themselves. Uh, you know, of course, the studio helped us, but it was it was tough. It was not. Uh, simple but we got through it it's it, we lost a lot of time you know this show should have came out a while back i mm. think i mean i don't want to say dates but you know it's been a long long process but i'm just so glad it's finally here and people are going to finally see it have you had a chance to watch anything yet they they didn't send me any clips which is fine because i don't always get clips or screeners or anything like that but i wanted to ask yeah. you because i think on your website it states that it actually drops tomorrow on the 14th is when it when it hits is that did they change that date from when your website you know says? yeah it's the 18th it's the 18th okay the 18th on the website it's Friday uh, the 18th. Right. Of okay. So. Friday. So this coming Friday. Perfect. Didn't catch yeah. it on Netflix. And uh, actually, if you don't mind, we're going to take a real quick commercial break because I still got a lot of questions to ask you. I want to dig into this some more. So if you're listening right now, Thanks. we're talking with composer, musician, Ego Plum. We're going to continue our conversation right after this. So please stand by. Hi, this is Andrea Romano. I happen to be the voice director for many animated series, including The Justice League. You are listening on geek to Me Radio. We are back. 
Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS brought to you every Sunday night. I'm your host, James Enstall. And I want to make sure we tell you about our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters, Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern. If you go to the website, marcustheaters.com, you can check out all the movies that are playing right now. I've got the website up. They've got their Academy Award nominated films. If you go there, you can see uh, if you have missed some of them, you can see West Side Story. You can see Belfast, Licorice Pizza, Dune. Uh, Joey V just gave Dune a very high rating. He went and saw it, I guess, was it yesterday? He went and saw it? Yeah. Last night and uh, West Side Story. All those movies are up. A lot of new movies coming out. The Batman will be out here before you know it. We're coming up on uh, March here very quickly. It's right around the corner. But, of course, the new Liam Neeson movie is out. Um, They've got a ton of movies. Death on the Nile, which I just saw the press screening of earlier last week. Gorgeous film. I highly recommend that one as well. Go to the website, MarcusTheaters.com. You can find the Marcus Theaters or Movie Tavern closest to you, uh, locations in over 20 states. And if you download the Marcus Theaters app for your smartphone, if you're out driving around, you want to see a movie, it'll immediately find the one closest to you. You can buy your tickets and get your concessions right through the app so that you can just pick them up for a more contactless experience when you get there. Never a bad time to see movies. Movies make great gifts. If you want to give out some uh, birthday, anniversary, whatever, some movie gift cards are always a great gift. Start with the website, MarcusTheaters.com. Very proud to have them as the official movie sponsor here on geek to me Radio. As we always say, it's the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. We're chatting here for a little while longer with Ego Plum all about the new Cuphead series. We're talking a little bit uh, during the break, Ego, about uh, the fact that this was one of the ones you were so excited about and you had to sit on for so long. How, how like when, when were you finally able to start discussing it? It feels like... This week, honestly, like, uh, you know, Netflix has its own sort of way of getting information out there. And uh, uh, yeah, I, ha- I have to almost be careful. I have to almost uh, bite my tongue if, if I'm, I, you know, I have to remember what I can and can't say. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's why I'm kind of bursting at the seams about it, really. Just, it's amazing. This is like sort of my first day of just doing publicity on it. So it's exciting to talk to you. And that animation, I mean, you know, you've, you've listed some of your inspirations, that old school 40s and 50s Looney Tunes type of stuff. And the animation for this lends itself so well. My niece is obsessed with the video game Cuphead. So yeah. did, did you, were you familiar with the property before you got the gig? Did you go back and play it? Uh, kind of, how did you kind of get into the aesthetic of the, of the series? Like a year before I got the job, my friend Steve says, hey, Eagle, you got to play this game Cuphead. Have you heard of it? I said, no, what is that? And I started playing it, and it just blew my mind. I had never seen anything like this. It really felt like I was in an old Fleischer uh, Brothers cartoon. It was incredible. So when I got the call, I, I just I was beside myself <laughs> with excitement because this felt like exactly what I wanted to do. Like all roads had be, been leading me to Cuphead. Yeah, and I felt so at home in a project like this. And we were talking, too, about Star versus the Forces of Evil, which I have great affection for that series. Uh, and I, I was I guess I was misled a little bit because I was looking at your IMDb thing. And sometimes I'm looking over stuff and it says nine episodes of this series, which you'll come in and work on. But you corrected me. Luckily, you said you composed the ending song that comes out at the very end of each episode. That was all you. Yes, that's right. That's that's uh, my contribution to the show. I wish I could have worked on the series for sure. Because Dave Wasson was initially involved at some point, the, the guy that's running Cuphead now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um no, I ended up just doing this one thing. And, you know, it's nice to get a, a royalty check from that now and again. Yeah. <laughs> sure. What, 
when you look at all the projects you've worked on, is there one, obviously it sounds like Cuphead's right up there, but is there is there one that you kind of felt was like, oh my gosh, I get to work on this series, or I'm so proud that I was able to contribute to that series. Was there one that kind of stands out above the others? I mean, there's many reasons why I'm very proud to work on a lot of the shows I've done, but the fact that I've gotten to write music on, on SpongeBob SquarePants is sort of a, it's one of those things where I feel like if I died today, if I got hit by a train, like I left a mark, you know, like it's such an iconic and important show and I've written music for that show, you know, it's, and, and songs in certain cases, that's been really special. And my collaborations with um, CH Greenblatt have all been really special as well. Uh, that's the guy that created Chowder. And then we worked on a show called uh, Harvey Beaks together. Yeah. And then, and then a uh, Jellystone, which, um, uh, which is the Hanna-Barbera reboot. Mm-hmm. And that's been super special too, because I essentially got to rewrite themes for Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, uh, you know, like all these iconic characters uh, from Hanna-Barbera, like were essentially handed to me to sort of recreate themes for them. Hmm. So that was an amazing project because I really got to be myself musically experimental and odd and strange and all use like unusual instruments, like a, a dozen kazoos playing in unison. Like it's a lot of fun, weird stuff that I got to do. And you are a musician as well. If I'm not mistaken, you at least guitar, drums, um, uh, piano was it was one of the ones that you're sure. So yeah, well, I, I, won't, I won't say I'm very, you know, I'm not like a virtuoso. I'm not very good at anything. I'm just okay at a lot of things. And that allows me to sort of be able to create a lot of these scores by myself. Uh, anything except for like woodwinds or strings. And then I bring in other musicians, mm. but for the most part, if I need to recreate like a, something that feels like a band, I could play every single thing. There's certain, there've been certain scores where I performed every single thing uh, because I can, um, that involves keyboards and pianos and every kind of guitar and banjo. Um, and, you know, that's also a question of what a studio could afford, you know, in certain yeah. cases I've had an orchestra, you know, and that's been amazing. I was the first person at Nickelodeon to record with an orchestra. Uh, <laughs> we did that a few times and that was phenomenal. Um, it was actually, I, I just got to tell the story about the first time I was in front of an orchestra. I was so overwhelmed and intimidated at that time because, you know, we had these like the, our music editor and copyist, like we had these big books with all the score, right. And everyone's sitting, Steve Bartek is sitting there, he's conducting. And then we have our engineer and, and everybody and the director and everyone's got the books and the, the, the orchestra's playing. And I'm looking at the pages and I don't know what the heck I'm looking at because I don't know how to read music. So do you remember when you were in school and like you'd look over to your friend to see what page you were on and you would like, oh, page 46, you turn to page 46. So that was me doing that thing. And I had this moment of clarity, like an epiphany where I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm like Luke Skywalker. I need to use the force and turn off the thing and just trust my ears. And at that point, I closed the book and just sort of sat back and I listened and I knew the music was right or wrong just by listening. Mm. It didn't matter. It was on the pages, you know? So that was like a, a moment of, of clarity for me. You huh. know, I have to trust what I bring to this. Right. Yeah. Uh, how did I get into this tangent? What, what was the question? All of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> ask about your, on the hierarchy of the project you've worked on. Is there one that's like you're most proud of, or you feel like was one of the jewels in your crown, but it was, it was a good oh, segue. Okay. I yeah. love the story. That was great. <laughs> I guess the answer is, you know, like they're all your babies and I love all of them for different reasons. Uh, but you know what? Let me, I'll just pick one. The first series I ever did making fiends for Amy Winfrey, because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be doing any of this stuff right now. 
So that is probably the most important show for me uh, because it led to everything else for sure. So, and Wayne Winfrey had enough faith in me, you know, someone that she had only seen perform live in a band. Uh, she went to my record release party, hmm. saw me playing this weird cartoon music and realized, okay, maybe this is the guy to do this. You know, I really love that about her. And I love any time a director takes a chance with someone and puts them in a position where like they normally wouldn't, shouldn't be, you know, like, Think of like Trent Reznor scoring a Pixar movie. Like that's amazing. <laughs> that would that, that's like, and and it happened. It happened with Soul a couple of years ago, right? And or or like um, there was a, a director, uh, um, Carol Reed, who ran into was in a cafe while he was making the movie Third Man, and he saw a guy playing a zither just like in the side of the cafe, and he said, "You should be the composer for my film." So he hired Anton Karas to do the score to this movie called The Third Man made this beautiful score but it was like there's like visionary directors that will take risks and i have and those are the people that i've relied on to work on because even with cuphead i've never done jazz before hmm. but i was able to convince netflix and dave wasson to take a chance on me and let me do this so i'm sort of grateful for all those opportunities for sure you talk about uh we talked about you're playing a musician and with everything and you tour with green jelly so yeah. is that when it's obviously I almost feel like as musicians, I, I, I play a little bass and I used to play violin. Yeah. I know a little bit about music, not nearly as much as I should. But what is it a different part of your brain that you're when you're touring versus when you're composing a project like Cuphead or is it just all music? You know, it's, it's all music, but touring is phenomenal. It's boot camp for musicians, essentially. Like you, you haven't lived until you showered in a moving bus. <laughs> It's it's uh and been to 25 cities in 28 days and like woke up in the city and walked out and asked someone what time zone am I in am I in because you just have no idea even where you're at you know right. uh, it's it's an amazing uh, experience you bond with people you you fall in love and you and you fall in hate uh, and you become a better musician I mean that's like one of the reasons we have the Beatles is because they spent hours and hours playing in Hamburg it would be eight hours sitting in this club performing and performing, performing. And that's how you sort of build up your chops and become, that's how they became the Beatles and, and the songwriters that they ultimately became. Mm -hmm. The genius wasn't, wasn't like just a gift from above. It was actually honed in by all that, you know, playing and playing and playing. So yeah, I love touring for many reasons. And performing live is the greatest feeling. Like I could write a score for Cuphead, but like I'll never, it doesn't feel as good as playing in front of even 20 people yeah. at immediate immediate reaction that you get from just playing chords in front of people is the best feeling as a musician. And we did mention earlier too, you're working on co-composing a couple of scores right now with Danny Elfman. Is there anything else you're working on currently that you're able to talk about or kind of promote? Uh, boy. Okay. So yeah, the, the, the film I'm doing uh, is called aliens, clowns and geeks, which is co-scored with Danny Elfman. That's directed by Richard Elfman, his brother. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of like a, a sci-fi horror comedy, really absurd film. Uh, and yeah, that's coming out, I think, this summer in streaming and probably DVD. Uh, I have another drop of Jellystone coming, I think, later this year. That hasn't been announced officially, but it's, you know, it's going to come some point. But the biggest thing right now is Cuphead coming uh, next week. I mean, that's the big, exciting project uh, that I'm completely focused on. And I'm still working on, frankly. Like, I was working on it uh, an hour ago, you know, on uh, new episodes. So it's ongoing for me. I'll be busy with Cuphead stuff until July. Wow. 
And again, if you're listening yeah. right now, Cuphead will be streaming on Netflix as of the 18th. So this coming Friday, you can catch episodes of uh, Cuphead when it debuts. Um, it's been Correct. such a delight talking to you. Ego Plum, this has been uh, Tell people where Thank they you. can find you online, too. Uh, keep up with your social medias and things like that. E-G-O-P-L-U-M on everything, right? Egoplum.com, Egoplum on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. You know, yeah, uh, say hello. I'd be happy to say hi back. And, yeah, you could sort of uh, follow or do whatever. I don't know. What, what are the kids doing now with these things? I'm not, you know, I'm not super internet-y. Yeah, I, I I do the Twitter and the Instagram. Okay, I haven't ventured into TikTok or anything like that yet. So I'm I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where it's 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 a, nece- <laughs> a necessary evil to be on social media. But sometimes I'm like, oh, do I have to? But uh, but yeah, sure. it's, but uh, but definitely, I would love to have you back on to talk about one of these future projects before they come out. If you want to promote anything else like that coming up. Let's do it for sure. Thanks. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for you know actually wanting to talk to me because it means a lot to me to be able to share this stuff. It's it's been a long time coming for me, and it's just I'm so proud of this project. Really, it means the world to me to be a part of the show. And I just want one quick shout out to our composer from the Cuphead game, Chris Madigan, who you know I have to follow in the footsteps right. of, who did this phenomenal job on the score. And you know it's rather intimidating to think I have to follow that, but you know we're sort of running in parallel universes here: the Cuphead game versus the series. It's two different things. Uh, and I hope I could do him proud. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very excited to see the series when it comes out. I'm going to be waiting uh, probably right there at 11.59 a.m. on Thursday when, uh, so I can <laughs> check it out as soon as it drops. My niece might beat me to it, though. She's a big Cuphead fan as well. Um, Amazing. Absolute delight to talk to you. Eagle Plum, if you're, again, if you're listening, make sure you follow him on his social medias. Eagleplum.com is the website. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so people can check out your site. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time today. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Cheers. Thank you. Take care. There he goes. Ego Plum, the composer. Make sure you check that series out. And again, follow him on, uh, follow, check out his website. Gorgeous website, too, with a lot of the stuff he's got, videos and everything like that. You can see those as well. Uh, we're going to take another quick commercial break. We're going to come back, and you're going to hear my interview with composer Jimmy Laval. So please stand by. Hi, this is Dean Devlin, director of Bad Samaritan, and you are listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. Geeks Me Radio heard here every Sunday night on the Big 550 KTRS. Want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, the reason we are here talking to you right now, and that, of course, is the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. You know them from the website, discoversaintcharles.com. What a great place to visit, and we're so lucky to be here in the Greater St. Louis, St. Charles area where it's right in our backyard. Just cross the Blanchette Bridge, boom, there it is. Uh, from a historical standpoint, all the cool things there are to see there. Uh, if you're a foodie, my word, there are so many great places to eat all over that entire area. Uh, I always recommend cocktails at Tompkins House, either before or after dinner. Uh, if you're a barbecue fan, there's salt and smoke. You go over to the streets of St. Charles, there's pizza, there's sushi, anything you can imagine. It's all right there. And, of course, the big festivals. There's always something going on. There's an ice sculpting festival just took place last month. Uh, Christmas traditions, we always talk about that uh, going on down there, the largest running and longest running Christmas festival in the country. Um, before you know it, Legends and Lanterns will be here in October. Check out the website, which is discoverstcharles.com. That'll give you an idea of anything going on. Click the Events tab, and you can see what's coming up. Uh, the uh, uh, Scottish Heritage Day Festivals will be right around the corner here in April. There's always something going on, and if you haven't been there for a while, 
It's time to go back. If you're listening to this right now and you're from outside the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, maybe you want to plan a trip, this would be a good time to plan a trip to St. Charles someplace if you want to visit someplace new with a lot of history, a lot of great options, a lot of things to do, a lot of nightlife. If you like the nightlife, if you like to boogie, uh, City of St. Charles has something for everyone. Once again, the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. We are going to go right to another composer right now. I had the chance to talk with Jimmy Laval about his work uh, composing Something in the Dirt. And here is that interview right now. Right now we're talking with the composer Jimmy Laval all about his work on the brand new movie Something in the Dirt. Uh, just debuted at Sundance last week, I believe. And uh, we're going to be talking about that as along with other aspects of his career. Jimmy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, it's always exciting. Sundance comes around every January. People get so excited. There's all this great independent film, and with that, obviously, brings a lot of great independent actors, independent composers, sounds coming at us. Uh, to have a film that you've worked on premiere at Sundance like that has to have a little bit of an, an excited feeling in your in your gut. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was super excited. I, I, I this, this also being, you know, our fourth. Uh, my fourth film with Justin and Aaron, we've had other, you know, uh, festival premieres that are, you know, that are, you know, reputable like Toronto and Tribeca. Um, and, um, just finally getting Sundance was just, uh, like just, yeah, it was just something to really, you know, celebrate. And you've worked, like you said, with Justin and Aaron on these things, projects before and everything like that, but, uh, that it's gotta be, I guess when you're on your fourth collaboration, you almost have it down to a science by this point. Yeah. You kind of know where they're going to go. They kind of know what they want from you and what you're going to bring. So I guess it, does it make it easier then at this point? Uh, you know, it's, it's still something that I try to push my boundaries each time, each, each go around. Um, and I do know that they are in the same boat as far as pushing their storytelling, pushing their, you know, filmmaking. Um, and we, I, I think that we approach each film from scratch. Like it's a new, it's a new project. Mm -hmm. Yes. We trust each other or yes, they trust me. They trust me to create, um, something that they, you know, are, are going to love, um, and are going to stand behind. Um, and, um, uh, but I still, you know, I still like to approach it as a, you know, obviously a brand new, brand new film. And your musical background, you go all the way back to doing like you, in bands and things like that. Talk about a little bit how you got involved. Like at what age did you know music was going to be the, the thing in your life that, that uh, <laughs> kind of sustained you and employed you and everything like that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I started playing music at a very young age. I grew up in the band and orchestra system, playing clarinet, violin, um, drums, percussion, piano. Um, started, you know, like four or five-ish years old um, with piano and then just kind of started to, you know, fiddle my way through, um, <laughs> literally fiddle, <laughs> violin, <laughs> violin my way through um, uh, elementary school. Um, and um, the middle school program band orchestra program had a had a uh like a they would come and pick up elementary school kids that were interested in band and orchestra like once a week and so i did that and then I, obviously i went to that school and continued and and as soon as i got there you know i was always kind of enamored by the percussion section and um you know by the time i was in eighth grade i switched over to the percussion section and then continued on to high school and the drum line and percussion, marching band, orchestra, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that was kind of my classical roots and my classical backgrounds. And I guess like kind of, you know, informed a lot of like, um, yeah, just, just, 
tools and techniques that, uh, that, you know, obviously translate into film scoring, um, just as far as voicing and instrumentation and, and, um, you know, just, you know, the, the, the traditional sense of scoring, um, However, obviously, you know, in ninth grade, I started playing in punk bands and, 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 you know, started to taught myself how to play guitar and threw band and orchestra out the window and just wasn't into it anymore. And, and, you know, decided to be, to try to, you know, be a rock star for a better, <laughs> a better term, you know? Um, but, um, um, and then, you know, I, I, I spent like my, 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 my late high school years, um, in these hardcore punk bands, um, and you know touring started touring in my senior year and and you know it's just kind of like really you know a young impressionistic you know teenager um and throughout those first tour like i met a lot of um you know really great people and and um got out of the the bubble of the city that i grew up in san diego um and then just kind of you know one of those people that i met on that tour moved out to san diego he and i started this band called tristeza and we started kind of making instrumental um arpeggiated um <laughs> arpeggiated uh, i just got a puppy myself actually um arpeggiated um uh guitar pieces um instrumental and they were kind of a, you know of a certain mood and vibe um and that was kind of like and 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 then and in the meantime myself too i was really into you know artists like brian eno and and um you know um just discovering you know like electronic music and you know just kind of like getting out of that kind of hardcore bubble and kind of really starting to like pull the layers back and pull you know of 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 other artists and music and just you know really discovering interesting things um anyways long-winded way of saying that i basically kind of then fell into making you know what music that you know i'd still make now um and just kind of started to kind of find my way and find my voice and started to create um you know, music that was instrumental and um, atmospheric and had a lot of space, was melodic. Um, and so that kind of led me to releasing records. And so for most of the 2000s, um, I was, you know, had found, was finding myself with a lot of success in the, um, you know, film licensing, um, TV licensing sync world. Mm -hmm. um, people were coming to, you know, using my songs and a lot of, and a lot of you know, TV shows and um, obviously they're instrumental and they kind of, you know, you do not peel away the, 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 the lyrical quality or the vocal or, you know, it could be used under anything to kind of set a mood if it, if it fit to the, the, the vision. Um, and so that kind of just led into, um, you know, I, I, at, at, and around 2009, I believe, or 2008 or nine, um, I basically, I played this show in, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, the bass player of the band that played with us was from Dallas. Um, and uh, we had mutual friends, and he said that his friend um, uh, had made this documentary, and she used a bunch of my music, and they knew that they were playing a show with me, so they came and they brought the DVD to share the film hmm. um, and see if it was cool to use the music. Um, so on tour, I basically, you know, I then took that DVD and on the, on the rest of the tour, I watched that film and, um, the, it was a documentary about a little girl who was born with a certain rare condition. Um, and the documentary followed her from, um, all the way from, uh, her birth to the time she was 13. Um, and just kind of like followed her story. And, and I think that was the film that I was just like, oh my God, this is really just kind of amazing powerful story 
you're using a ton of my music. Um, what if I just scored it? And it was something that I kind of like, I never really put it together. Like I never really put film scoring together. I thought that that was something that I wanted to do or thought that that was something that, you know, somebody actually did. Mm -hmm. Um, it just didn't really resonate. You know, I just didn't, you know, of course somebody makes music for movies. Um, you know, when you watch a film, you see that there's music, but you know, I didn't really know like the backstory and like, you know, all of the kind of magic that goes into making films. Um, you know, I was just definitely on the receiving end, just watching the finished, finished product. Um, so that was kind of like my beginning. And I started there and did that film. Um, my wife is also a filmmaker. She's a documentary filmmaker. She had a circle of other documentary filmmaking friends. And so that kind of put me into the conversation of other documentary filmmakers. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, Justin and Aaron approached me. Um, Justin and I go way back to uh, he was hired to film me making a record back in 2005, 2006. So he followed me for some time with the camera. Hmm. Um, but back, but back then he was just kind of, you know, doing exactly as he should trying to disappear as a camera person, you know, operating and, and documenting um, someone um, to be kind of, you know, so he was just, my memory of him was just this quiet guy that kind of was around. And even, of course I had conversations with him here and there. Um, but for the most part, you know, he was just kind of, you know, in the shadows, just filming. Um, and, um, you know, of course, from then, you know, I knew him, he was a friend, he was, you know, Hey, Justin, what's going on? You know, that kind of thing. Um, I moved away from San Diego. Um, I moved back to LA uh, or down to LA and I think it was 2011 or 12, basically Justin had reached out and said, I wrote this script. I wrote this film. I'd love to talk to you about it. If you might want to score it. Like I was listening to your music the entire time. And, and, you know, I just think it would be great. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, and at that time is when I met Aaron. And at that time is when they gave me a copy of Resolution. And, uh, you know, I met them and hung out. And it was great. And, and came back and watched Resolution. And I was just like, holy shit, this is a, this is a movie. <laughs> um, and just was kind of like, you know, I, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I had no idea what he had done. You know, how, how he kind of had, you know, progressed as a filmmaker. Um and so that was kind of the beginning of that. And, you know, that led into now 20 or so whatever films that I've done since. It's interesting to think, too, because you start out, obviously, with the, your band, then you kind of switch gears and you're doing different types of music work for your solo work with the album Leaf. Then you go into documentary film and now you're doing these features and everything like that. When, when you obviously you're kind of in a, in a zone with your band and everything like that. And then you start with album leaf. Do you, when someone says, Hey, uh, we'd like you to score this documentary and you see they already use pieces of your music. Did that influence the music you ended up using when you did that first documentary? Or did you kind of want a clean slate, still use your sounds, but adapt it? How did that first project work for you? Um, I mean, yeah, back then I was more kind of not as confident, not as, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I was definitely leaning more towards kind of, you know, going from the temp and trying to kind of recreate it um, in my own voice, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but definitely it was inspired by the, the temp music that was um, that was used. Um, I mean, there's even, it's funny, like sound alikes of... Uh, of, uh, songs, you know, of my own songs. Um, <laughs> but, you know, basically that record is, the record is actually released under, it's called Tori's Distraction. Um, and so you can hear that score. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, at that point it was definitely more along the lines of, 
you know, kind of, I hadn't really found my voice. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was mm-hmm. still learning. Um, and I still consider myself still learning for the most part. Uh, you know, you, you always have more to learn, but yeah, right. back then it was more, um, okay, this is what they used. How can I do this again and not make it be the same thing, but it's close enough to still, you know, be influenced by or inspired by, but it still stands on its own. Um, and to be honest, like for me, like I, I really love that score, but it's not cohesive in any way. It's not really, you know, there's no thematic through line. There's no, um, there's a lot of mistakes, you know, as far as like traditional film scoring. But I also think that that, you know, has continued to kind of inform the way that I score film and, and maybe what kind of, you know, might make me unique in that sense of, of not kind of following the traditional, traditional kind of film score rules. And I think that that's, resonated and and um you know uh obvious through a lot of the composers that have started that are primarily you know have an artist band background and have crossed over into film scoring that there's you know not as there's a lot of exciting film scoring happen because those rules those traditional rules are are kind of being broken and obviously documentary film versus feature film, you're kind of uh, different types of music, different themes. It's still your sound, though. So when you're doing a right. feature film, where do you start from? Do you start with uh, going through the script? Are you seeing storyboards? Uh, kind of how do you kind of sculpt a theme for a feature in your mind? What are, you, what are your building blocks there that the directors and writers are giving you? And we're going to talk about... That more with Jimmy Laval right after this break. You're listening to geek to me Radio here on the Big 550 KTRS. Hey guys, this is Echo Kellum, a.k.a. Mr. Terrific, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. This segment brought to you by Bugs Comics and Games, our official comic book sponsor here on geek me Radio. Check out the website, BugsComicsAndGames.com. You can also give their Facebook page a like, which I know Tim and Larry will appreciate. If you go to Facebook.com, seek out Bugs Comics and Games and give that page a like there. If you're looking for someplace new to get your comic books, if you want someplace to go where you're able to get a discount... Go out to see Larry and Tim out at Bugs. Uh, Join the Avengers Club. It's a lot of fun. You get your own Avengers Identicard, and you start earning discounts on the things you buy. So if you're wanting to save a little bit of money in this time when we see the prices and everything else going up, that's a great way to save some money while continuing your weekly uh, enjoyment of getting your new comics and keeping up with all the new titles like Silver Surfer Rebirth, uh, the the new uh, Daredevil comic and the Devil's Reign that's out right now is fantastic stuff. Batman's really good right now. A lot of great comic books to get out there and read. And if you're looking for something new, maybe you're, you want to get your son or daughter to start something new, Larry is really great. I always see him coming in. People come in with their kids and like, yeah, my son likes Spider-Man. He's like, what era Spider-Man? He'll go through his stuff, find stuff that the kid might like. It's really cool to see a store owner take that much pride and that much uh, attention to the needs of his customers so again check them out bugscomicsandgames.com is the website make sure to give the facebook page a like as well we're very proud to have them as the official sponsor for our comic books here on geek to me radio continuing our chat with composer jimmy laval before we take that last break we're asking him about uh, what he considers the building blocks of composing music for a feature film like something in the dirt it it varies um obviously it changes um but for the most part um with with justin and aaron i've always had a script beforehand before seeing picture um and then with that script i you know start to kind of 
think about, um, you know, I, I basically kind of just then do some initial kind of responses and, and create, you know, music based on what I found in the, how I responded to the, uh, to the script. Um, and then continuing from that, um, then I basically, uh, then I get picture and, 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 <laughs> you know, either everything can go out the window, <laughs> um, as far as what I created or, you know, things actually start to work and I start to kind of like fine tune the, whatever cues I created to picture. Um, that's been the process with them. Um, and with documentary, it's ever changing obviously. And, you know, the story can be changing as the filmmakers are creating the film. So luckily, you know, luckily working with my wife, um, Kate Trumbull and her, her films, um, I'm kind of brought on very early on and I know what she's going to be making a film about. Um, and this could be, I mean, this could go for any, you know, documentary that I'm kind of signed on to before they start filming. Um, but I, you know, I definitely know what's happening and what's going to, what the content is. And, and, you know, I don't know how the story's going to unfold, but at least I can kind of take those, you know, themes, um, storylines, characters, um, and, and kind of put those, you know, in my head and try to kind of like create a, a you know, basically a, I kind of like to create a, create like a huge, you know, canvas of tone, mood, drone. Um, you know, oftentimes I'll just give a lot of kind of beds of music without, without any melodies or without any kind of like, uh, you know, thought out or, or without any kind of lead instrumentation, just a lot of like kind of just, you know, beds of music that can, that can kind of, you know, be set in and, and if they're, and if they're working, um, as we're going through, then I can start to then take those beds and build on them. And from um, a layman like me, I would think, you know, documentary films versus feature films, like you just scored something in the dirt, vastly different as a composer. Do you approach them differently or is it the, just it's, it's a project and you're still putting music down regardless of what the, the theme or the style of film is. I mean, there is, I think at the heart of it, um, you know, I push them the same. Um, but I think the end result is a little bit more reserved in documentary. Um, and that's kind of the, 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 you know, with, with, with a feature, you, you're, you are a hundred percent trying to captivate the audience and trying to steer their emotion and trying to steer their, um, you know, response and love for the film. You're, you're adding to that. Um, in documentary, it's the same, but I do feel that like, you know, I think mean, you know, take a sad, you know, something that's kind of a sad content or a heavy content or something like that. You don't want to, you don't want to make the audience feel more than, than what the character themselves are given. You want to love the character themselves and, and, and not have the music make you love the character, if that makes sense. Um, you know, you want to be in love with the character because of the character. Sure. Um, and then it, you want to support that with music and not basically over, you know, oversteer that ship, I guess. And again, if you're listening, Something in the Dirt, it premiered at Sundance's next category on January 23rd. Just to give you a quick synopsis, uh, two neighbors investigate supernatural events in their L.A. apartment building, diving deep into a supernatural rabbit hole that frays their friendship and uncovers the dangers of the phenomena, the city, and each other. So when you're doing a film like this, obviously lots of different elements. Uh, you included a strong <laughs> synth motif. 
uh, which was kind of the main focus. And I love the way you described it, too. It's uh, the sound is always moving and compulsive, like two magnets kind of on the same side, kind of repulsing each other. That's that's uh, a very interesting way, because now I can almost see the music with that description, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was definitely, you know, it, it was the initial theme that I came up with um, and, and kind of through line um, synth sound um, was actually the one of the first things that I did in response to the script um, back in. And I received the script um, back in September 2020. Um, and I think I delivered that piece of music to them before or just after they had finished shooting. Um, I hadn't seen any picture and they were in Europe, um, you know, filming and working on the moon night. Um, and then they responded with, this is great. This is, you know, this is, this is, this is it. This is awesome. You know, so I was like, sweet. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and then, um, so then I waited and I basically, then I got the script or then I got the picture in July of 2021. Um, and that piece of music that I made was in there, but it was in there in a spot that kind of was just like, oh, this makes sense over that. But what am I going to do for the rest of the film? Hmm. You know, it was just kind of like, <laughs> this doesn't make sense because the tip that you have over basically what the entire film is about is the two of them kind of, um, you know, theorizing and coming up with and trying to kind of like go down and through these rabbit holes, trying to uncover the, you know, the, the, the mystery and, and solve the riddle and, you know, so and they had the same piece of temp over each of those sections. And when you see the film, obviously, you know, that is a that is a through line of the film. It is, not, you know, 80 percent of the film is 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 that. Almost. Mm. So I knew I had to come up with that motif before anything and uh, before moving forward to kind of, you know, figure out how I was going to make all of this work. Um. And so that threw me for a loop. I was just like, what am I doing? I, I don't know. And I'm like, kind of, I was, I was for the first time really thrown off by a temp cue, um, trying to find it, trying to like find that voice. What is this going to be? What is this going to be like going in circles for like a month, a month and a half. Um, until finally I just kind of like was able to just like take that synth sound, um, and kind of strip it apart. Because I mean, not to get too nerdy, but like basically what I what I did to make that sound is there, uh, this this new synth that I had just gotten then is called Innovation Summit. They added looping envelopes, and basically, you know, it's that. So so it loops. Mm. Um, so when I when I hit a note, um, you can also enable the looping envelope. You can change it to change the rhythm um, in the in the cycle, and then you can also send it to like pitch, you know, to pitch to to to, to, to manipulate its pitch. Mm. Um, so I did the hat um, and then I was able to take that sound and then kind of like take off the looping envelope and see what that sounds like. And then, Oh, okay, cool. And then it's also moving if I keep hitting the same note like this and um, you know, whatever, <laughs> that's kind of the nerdy back end of it. And, but also that like was able to like, okay, cool. Like here's this new motif and new theme that I came up with based off of the original theme. Um, it's the same sound, but it's different. And with that side, I can actually, you know, start to just kind of like layer in other instrumentation and take over that melody um, and go different directions with it and really stretch it out and kind of build it here and take it back there um, and be able to, you know, utilize it and have it sound like obviously our main theme and our through line, but not, you know, so repetitive that it's just the same cue. And you can check out Jimmy's website, thealbumleaf.com. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. 
So three films in six months. Are you taking a little bit of a breather? Are you already uh, knee deep (laughs) into the next project? No, I mean, that was this, those, that time, that was a, that was a blip in, in my, in my, uh, that was about three years ago oh, okay. or something like that, two or two or three years ago that I'd done those three films. Um, uh, now, yeah, now I'm kind of back in the album leaf saddle, um, working on new record, um, trying to get that stuff out. I also just did a 60 minute sleep song for the, um, for the app calm, Oh, neat. um, which actually released today. 30 minutes ago. Just oh, wow. Came out. Um, yeah. So if you're listening, when we started our interview, yeah, when we started our interview, that, that, that came out. Um, so, so that's out. Um, I've had a couple other singles kind of come out here and there, but for the most part, yeah, I'm working towards a new record um, and that will be out probably likely in the fall um, as well. So, um, so until then, yeah, I'm open. If anybody's listening, I'm free, free for hire. Perfect. So if you're listening right now, hit him up. I guess the best way to contact you is, is the uh, the website, thealbumleaf.com. Is that the best contact for uh, people who want to keep up with you? Obviously, you're on social media as well, correct? Yeah, any of the any of those channels. There's a, there's a contact. Perfect. Uh, very exciting. So we'll be excited to see something in the dirt when it does come out. And hopefully, the uh, like you said, you can get the album to come out corresponding-wise in the fall. And make sure you keep up with that. Uh, we'll have a link to that on the website as well. Thanks, as always, to Joey V for making the show sound and look as good as it does. Thank you to all of you for watching on the various services. Max on Movies is up next. He's got an interview with Famke Jansen, and he'll have his Death on the Nile review as well, so stay tuned for Max on Movies. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to Eagle Plum. Thank you to Jimmy Laval. And until next week, my friends. That's a show. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser bit.ly slash geek to me bit.ly slash geek to me